Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! And welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGoss. And I'm Annie Cardi. Hi, Annie. Hi, Walt. Annie, what do we do on Crossover Appeal? On Crossover Appeal, we take two fan universes, mm-hmm. two fictional places of being. Yeah, planes um, of existence. Yeah, and then um, put them right on top of each other like a stack of pancakes. Ooh, a planer pancake. Yeah, exactly. Just layer them right up. Yeah, that's kind of delicious. Yeah, actually, I would eat that. And yeah. the syrup is star stuff. Ooh, I was thinking the syrup would be our wit and, and, oh, yeah. and creativity. Yeah, I like that because both uh, in the sense of the podcast that we make and yeah. also the thing that holds the entire universe together. Exactly. You're welcome, everyone. Where the syrup? <laughs> Where I feel you? like syrup is actually a pretty um, relevant topic in both oh, cases. Man. That's you know, true. like, yeah. Yeah, we're having a very like Midwestern sort of centric, cozy ish. Yeah. Oh, but also disturbing. It's true. Just death lurking around every yeah. corner. Oh, well, hey, why not uh, let, us, let everybody know what we're talking about tonight? Uh, so today we are crossing over Charlotte's Web and Fargo. Oh, yeah. Um, that sounds delightful. Let's figure yes. out. Hmm? I knocked my, my Oh, no. Thing. You're just too vigorously excited. I know. Can you still hear me? Um, I probably can. Yeah, I can still hear okay, you. Okay, cool. Yay, everybody out there. This is a look behind the curtain yeah. of crossover appeal. <laughs> Very professional. Yeah, well, now that we've given everybody the sneak peek, Annie, why don't you go ahead and tell us about Charlotte's Web? Um, so Charlotte's Web is a middle grade novel by E.B. White, and it was illustrated by Garth Williams. Um, it was first published in 1952 to good reviews and was a Newbery Honor book for 1953. Um, it lost to Secret of the Andes, which I've like literally never heard of. I'm sure other people have. It's just like with plays that have won the Pulitzer Prize, where yeah. like every four out of five of them just disappear yeah, entirely. Yeah, exactly. But then some really lasting works of literature maybe get honored but not recognized mm-hmm. or like... Maybe they're not even nominated at all. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like that year that like Pulp Fiction and uh, Shawshank Redemption and a bunch of other stuff was up at the, for Best Picture. Yeah, and Forrest Gump was the one that won. I know, right? Yeah, which I had originally thought was the year that Fargo was released, but I was wrong. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was not in that mix. Oh well, so. I'm sure you'll tell us later. It's true. Get ready. Ooh. Um. So since its publication, Charlotte's Web has sold millions of copies and has been translated into at least 23 languages. So it has a lot of staying power um, versus Secret of the Andes. Everybody likes farms. Nobody likes Andes. No. Oh. <laughs> it's the, um, what, you know why we call them the Andes? No, why? No, because they're both named Andy. Oh, yeah. Hot, hot Fuzz, fuzz joke. Yay. Yeah. Oh, my God. I missed a Hot Fuzz, re- hot fuzz reference. I should just retire. Yep. <laughs> so, podcast over, everyone. Oh, well, they both have mustaches. So. Yes. <laughs> um, so, two film adaptations of Charlotte's Web have been, have been made, one animated and one live action. Um, there's also a stage musical, which is apparently different from the music in the animated movie, which is the version my fifth grade class did. So you did a stage version with music from the animated movie. Yeah, it was basically the animated movie, but we all dressed in costumes and sang along and whatever. Yeah. We're also two for two on episodes I about things that, that you were like, in musicals I didn't for. even realize that until I was writing this and I was like, wait a minute, I have been in a play of this as well. But you also played your nemesis. I did. Um, so I played one of Charlotte's baby spiders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate spiders. Yeah. I always I feel will... weird talking about this on the podcast because I worry that somebody's going to post a picture of a spider as a joke and, and you will be banned I'm... from the community. Right. Like if someone posts a picture of a spider, I will actually unfollow you. Mm-hmm. Like I have taken that as a real hard line. I cannot trust you anymore. Yeah. And we will come to your home and melt down your iPhone in acid. Yeah. So you can't listen to exactly. us anymore. You so, know, yeah. you're, you're the... The pig who's going to be in danger. Whoa. The spiders can't that, help you now. Wow, that escalated really fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of pigs, um, the story follows Wilbur, the smallest pig of his litter, who is saved by a girl named Fern, um, who lives on the street. It's her family's farm. Mm-hmm. 
Fern loves and takes care of Wilbur until he's big enough that her family insists that Wilbur go to Fern's uncle's farm because I guess he needs a pig. Um, It's been like in the market. Yeah, right. And at Zuckerman's farm, um, that's Uncle Uncle, uh, Homer Zuckerman. Uncle Zuckerman. Um, Wilbur, the pig, feels like an outsider and is scared once he finds out that pigs are only raised for slaughter. I mean... Um, unlike other animals who are raised for wool or eggs or something. I think that's a good reason to be scared. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, and the, the other animals are real not kind about telling him that. They're yeah. like, well, you know, we're chickens and we lay eggs. You're a pig. They just eat you. Yeah. It's uh, it's really like he has his Neo in the Matrix moment. Yeah. It's, his whole world is reframed before him. Exactly. But... He hears a voice telling him not to worry. And who is that? But his friend Charlotte, the barn spider. So um, Wilbur befriends Charlotte, who comes up with a plan to save Wilbur. She weaves messages into her web praising Wilbur. Um, The humans see it as a miracle. And after a few messages, Wilbur is a local celebrity. Yeah. People um, like seeing his face in I pancakes. Kind, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in butter pats. Absolutely. And, uh, Some old lady redoes a painting of him and it turns out way worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I want to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of never get why people don't assume that Charlotte is the miracle. Because like yeah. literally it's a spider's web. Yeah, you'd think they would work a lot harder to maintain the spiders in the barn. Yeah, but like... They they are totally on the Wilbur train. Thank I mean, I guess God. Maybe they don't like spiders either. Yeah, right. And They're... like Charlotte is is literally the one spider I'm okay with, and I can't even really picture her in my mind except for the animated the version. version. Yeah. Did you watch the live action version? Where no, she is more I couldn't. I couldn't. Wow. I literally could not watch the live action version. Man, I know. Even though it was like I want to say like Oprah Winfrey or someone who did the voice. Yeah, I forget who it was, but yes, yeah, yeah. so it was someone delightful. Yeah. Um. So because uh, Wilbur's super famous now, Zuckerman enters Wilbur into a little local fair, but um, Wilbur doesn't actually end up winning a prize because another pig is like real big and gets it instead. (laughs) A big deal pig. Yeah. And uh, like he's like a giant pig and Wilbur's like, oh, no. Oh, no. It's Mr. Big Pig. Exactly. My nemesis. Oh, God. His name is something. It's like uncle. Yeah. Uncle is a large pig. Good. There we go. Yeah. Um, Also a good name for a large pig. I know. Right. So um, even though Wilbur doesn't win the prize, the crowd loves him so much that Zuckerman knows that he can't kill this pig. Absolutely. Like this is this is a real insta pig. Like a pig this great, you don't need all at no, once. No, you gram that gram. <laughs> oh, no, you don't need him at all. No, it was just, it's like the joke. Uh, There's a joke about it's a guy who happens upon a farmer, and the farmer's pig has like has Balance. four wooden legs. Oh yeah! And the farmer tells him all the times that the pig has saved his life. Oh yeah! But never, and he, the pig never gets injured. And so the guy's like, "So how did he lose his legs?" And it's the joke is, oh. "Pig that great, you don't eat all at once." Oh, no. Wah, wah. Oh, sad trombone. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, um, look, death is want, around every corner in this episode. Do you want um, more sadness? Because unfortunately, at the oh, fair, no. Wilbur realizes that Charlotte is at the end of her life. She is laying an egg sack with hundreds of babies and having used up the last of her energy on the egg sack, she's unable to return to the farm with Wilbur. Oh. So uh, Wilbur is there with her when she passes um, and he's devastated to lose his friend, but Mm -hmm. he promises to take her children safely back to the farm. Good job, Wilbur. Um, And back at the farm, the baby spiders are born, but most of them fly off to new homes to terrorize innocent people. (laughs) Um, And they're illiterate, so there's no benefit. Um, the three smallest, however, remain, and Wilbur befriends Charlotte's daughters, the first of many generations of friendship. Yay. I know it doesn't happen, but in my mind, I picture when you say that she uses all of her energy making the, the egg sack, yeah. and she also makes a message in the web that says, some kids. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been great? That'd be real cute. Call me E.B. White. I've got some notes. Yeah, right. It, this would have gotten you the Newberry Medal. It's true. You really could Not have been that out. honor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so characters, we have Wilbur, a sensitive pig fighting for his life. Charlotte, a brilliant spider who will do anything to save her friend. They fight crime. I wish. It's <laughs> like a really good time. That's got to be some fr- He's some a sensitive fanfic. pig fighting for his life. <laughs> She's a brilliant spider who will do anything to save her friend. They fight crime. Yay. <laughs> we'll see I how would, the crossover goes, the actually. Fanfic. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, Fern Arable, a young girl who loves animals and can understand animal language. Um, Templeton, a rat who finds Charlotte, um, can, or who helps Charlotte find res- messages to write in her web, um, but only when he can get something, food, I mean, out of it. Yeah. You know, he's, he's the comic relief. He doesn't work for free. 
Ain't that the truth? You know what? This is the uh, f- a freelance gig, yeah. and um, you you die of exposure. So yeah. <laughs> get paid, Templeton. Know your, know your worth, Templeton. Exactly. Good job. Um, and there are other animals at the barn, including a chatty goose, snobby lambs, and a wise, if blunt, old sheep. So mm. everyone, everyone's just like a little obnoxious. Oh yeah, it's uh, like the animals in Babe. Yeah. Like they're yeah, all very frank. Exactly. They're like, mm. well, this is how it works, and you're the lowest one on the chain. So. Exactly. Sorry. Man, pigs have a rough time on They farms. really do. I mean, what again, like what else are they there for? That's true. Um, unless they're finding truffles. Those are working oh, pigs. Oh, truffle pigs. Yeah. Or unless they just want to be cuddly. Yeah, because pigs are real cute and mm-hmm. smart. Um, there's Homer Zuckerman, Fern's uncle, who is the owner of the farm where Wilbur and Charlotte live. Lurvy, a farmhand on Zuckerman's farm. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Arable, Fern's parents, and Avery, Fern's brother. Um, Charlotte's children, including Nellie, Joy, and Ariana. Mm-hmm. Or no, Arania. Sorry. Ah, do you remember which one you played? Um, I was Joy. Yay! Yes, yes, you were. It was like, you know, I was like, oh, well, you know, Wilbur, why are you trembling? And he's like, I'm trembling with joy. And I was like, then my name is Joy. joy. I had to have the pause. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> this is how you know that these spiders aren't going to grow up to be writers like Charlotte was. <laughs> oh no, they well, they were babies. That's true. They didn't know. They had a lot to learn. They had a lot to learn. Yeah. I also, can we take a moment to recognize how great E.B. White is at naming things? Yeah. Like Fern Arable. I know, right? It's Isn't like, that a real, like, farm girly name? It's both, like, immensely Homer obvious Zuckerman. but delightful. Yeah. Like, everything about it is oh, great. Oh, it's fantastic. And actually, Charlotte's name is Charlotte A. Cavatica, Ooh. which is delightful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, props to you, E.B. White. Mm-hmm. Um, themes. Um, death is obviously a real big theme here. Um, in a book about farm animals, this is a big one. Like as the runt of the litter, um, Wilbur faces death from day one and then has to confront the fact that he's only bred to be slaughtered someday. Um, it's both a, an honest and heartbreaking look at the reality of life and death for animals. And don't think that just because this is a book for kids that it goes real light and fluffy on the stakes. Mm-hmm. Like Wilbur needs to find a way to stay alive or risk untimely death. Yeah, it doesn't get much more stark than that. No. Um, and even facing death herself, Charlotte literally says, after all, what's a life anyway? We're born. We live a little. We die. This is a book for children. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, so yeah, it's a book that is very frank about death, even as the characters struggle to stay, stay alive. And yet I don't hear a lot about it as a book that like made people, made kids be vegetarians when they were kids. Like I feel I like there's some, yeah. I think like that and Babe. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I hear it more about the movie Babe. Uh, yeah. And maybe it's because it's a movie. And I think it came out when we were young. So oh, probably. It probably, yeah. I'm sure there was a whole wave when this one came oh, out. Oh, yeah. First. Um, or at least, you know, made people not want to eat bacon. Probably. But then it, bacon always gets you. I know, right? Welcomes you back. I know. Then I'm, but I'm like, oh, Wilbur. Oh, pigs. Um, friendship is a big theme here. Um, so this book has one of my all time favorite quotes. It is not often that someone comes along who is a true friend and a good writer. Charlotte was both. Which I think is just like sums up the whole book for me. Like Mm. Charlotte and Will and um, is a true friend to Wilbur, like helping him out when no one else will. Um, Wilbur and Charlotte are both outsiders in the barn, but they understand and love each other and will help each other through anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, sacrifice obviously being a big theme. Like Charlotte um, literally puts her life on the line when she goes to affair with Wilbur um and she gives up fame yeah nobody it's true you know, like, she's willing to be the ghostwriter for oh, this pig yeah um and I mean even in a way Fern like she's the first person who saves Wilbur mm-hmm. um you know she could very easily be like ah, oh, dad's going out to slaughter some, the, the runty pig who cares um and then she has to you know be the one who steps up and takes care of Wilbur yeah um, which is a kind of sacrifice by yeah. being food. I know, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's a, a story that has a lot of kind of meanings in it, and and a really like heavy themes. Yeah, but very caring within that. Yeah. Right oh, there. exactly. There's a lot of heart mm-hmm. um, and warmth. Yeah. Um, things I like and think other people will like. Um, do you have feelings? Do you like feelings? Get your feelings torn out with Charlotte's Web. Yeah. Um, I cried just thinking about this book. Oh no. I know. I was like looking up the um, the Charlotte was both quote, and I was just mm-hmm. like, I love this oh, book. Oh, Eb. I know, right? Um, it has one of the best opening lines in all of literature, which is, where's Papa going with that axe? Like, Ooh. boom. 
That is that is exactly how we open. Yeah, way to set um, your stakes. Yeah, everybody. right. Like I love that it it opens with such a vivid image and it's a great threat right, right away. And I think I saw some like I can't remember if it was um, notes from E.B. White or like just letters between him and his editor. Um, and like it started differently. It started like slower and more, yeah. you know, like, oh, and there was Fern a farm Arable and there's lived a with her family. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then he got down to like, where's Papa going with that axe? And you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's a good playwriting lesson. Yeah, too. right. Start in the middle of the action. Exactly. Um, and of course, this has some of the most memorable and lovable characters in all of literature. Like, as we said earlier, I hate spiders. Like, I am terrified of them. But Charlotte is one of the greatest characters in literature. And my favorite quote in literature is about Charlotte. Yeah. Man, you really live a conflicted life. I really do. Like and the again, fundamental like, truth when of your I existence. think of her, I can only think of the animated version. She's very fuzzy. And she has those blue eyes. I know, right? Yeah. Um, and she's... Um, and only two of them. That helps. Yeah. Oh, totally. She's not a, <laughs> not a real creeper. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God. It's... it's um, uh, what's her name? Who did the voice... I'm not sure. Um, Debbie Reynolds. Oh. Yeah. So, good old Debbie. Yeah, right? Nice singing voice, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, that's Charlotte's Web. Um, the fundamental baseline of your existence is a conflict. I know, right? Hatred it's, of spiders, love of a spider. Like, yes, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's horrible. It's a deep truth about the world. I know. And again, like, if anyone sent me a picture being like, oh, no, but look at this spider. It's cute. I will block you. Yeah. It's not funny, folks. I, no, I will. I, I will no longer be friends with you you will also apparently raise them for food yeah. based on something you said earlier yeah so, we're not messing around here folks i mean right like take care of yourselves you know what if we're gonna kill pigs we might as well kill you mm-hmm. <laughs> so um yeah hey, also of, about um people's body parts oh yeah that's true yeah. Let's, let's talk about people in farm equipment um or around farm equipment uh let's talk about fargo um fargo is a 1996 super black comedy crime caper uh directed by the coen brothers it's the movie that sort of launched them into the mainstream and got them attention and built the careers that they now have which are pretty okay they're doing just fine yeah right um, yeah um in typical cohen fashion this movie really cemented a lot of what people expect from their movies it's very twisty turny with a lot of kind of memorable characters caught up in a complicated plot in which they are over their heads um so i won't go into like every single beat but um the basic setup is jerry lundergaard who is played by william h macy in a role that also kind of made him who he is film wise um that's this movie is full of those kinds of roles all of the actors in it bring broke out in some degree or another based on uh, their major characters. Um, So Jerry Lundergaard is a struggling car salesman in central Minneapolis. Uh, uh, He is desperate for money and hatches a desperate plan. Um, On the advice of a friend, he goes to Fargo, North Dakota, and hires two small-time crooks to pretend kidnap his wife, Jean. Uh, Then they'll ransom Jean back to her wealthy father, Wade. Um, Jerry doesn't tell his wife about the plan, so there's a point where, like, it stops being a pretend kidnapping and just is a kidnapping. Oh, yeah. To her, it's a kidnapping. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And he even considers calling the plan off, but then her father kind of stiffs him on a business deal, so he gets really mad and keeps it going. Oh, yeah, let's make Gene suffer for it. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of the motto of the movie, unfortunately. Um, So things go south when the cons, who are named Gare Grimsrud and Carl Showalter, um, get pulled over after kidnapping Gene for driving with temporary tags. Things go further south when the trooper who pulls them over hears Gene in the trunk of the car and Gare shoots him and leaves his body on the side of the road and things go about as far south as they could possibly be in that moment when two passersby see this happening and Gare chases them down and kills them as well. Um, so what will make all these things that have been going south go north again? Into into North Dakota? Yeah, yeah, they're in South Dakota right now. We're going to bring them up into North Dakota. Um, That'll be the arrival of the greatest protagonist ever in the history of the world, uh, local Brainerd police officer Margie Gunderson, um, played by Frances McDermott. Uh, Margie is pregnant and competent and played by Frances McDermott as just, like, the coolest. Yeah, it's a a fantastic role. She she nails it. Yeah, Um, and it was written for her. Um, I love that she and the Coens and Holly Hunter were all like roommates and daters and she is now married to one of the Coens. Yeah. But like this was a role written for her. And was um, um 
Was that her breakout role as well? Yeah, she had been sort of a, a, a character actor for a while, for yeah. a little while, and she was in Blood Simple, which was the Coen Brothers' first movie. So like, she had been getting attention, but then, um, but she, I mean, this was like this was real like, yeah, big. This is yeah. what sort of pushed her into the mainstream. Um, Margie starts trying to unwind the mystery, which is tough because all of the crooks and other folks involved keep inadvertently further complicating it. Uh, Carl and Gare don't get along while they're stuck in their hideout with Jean. Um, Carl gets beaten up by Jerry's friend who arranged the whole thing. Um, Jerry's loans are getting called in sooner than expected. Like everybody is consistently feeling under the pressure and it all comes to a head when Wade, who's Jean's father, insists on being the one to drop off the ransom money. Things don't go great with that. Uh, and by the end of the evening, Wade is dead, Gene is dead, Carl's been shot in the face, and somebody's about to get fed into a wood chipper. Yay! Uh, hurrah! Uh, through it all, Marge is doggedly pursuing the case. Uh, she's using her wits and her charm to try to unravel the knot, um, and she arrives on the scene just in time to catch the aforementioned wood chippering in process in one of the most famous scenes of like the 1990s, um, and she uses her gun for the first time. Um, afterwards, with the loose ends tied up, um, she returns home and finds out that her husband's painting of a mallard has been selected to be on the three cent stamp, which is... People always need one of those. It's true. Um, and, you know, that mallards are great. They um, are. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it is a uh, surprisingly emotional, like, emotionally resonant moment at the end of this movie. Um, the last scene of this movie is just great. Um, and it's great mostly because of the characters, um, including Marge Gunderson, um, played by Frances McDermott. She, like we've said, she's just the best. Um, she's practical, focused, and fiercely intelligent, but also incredibly warm and understanding. Um, she seems very innocent and naive, but is also completely ready to step up to any challenge that she encounters over the course of the movie. Um, there's a sort of subtle thread throughout the movie of her not being taken seriously, especially by the guys around her. Yeah. Um, but she just kind of keeps on. I love, um, there's a scene real early on where I think it's she and her partner are investigating. The original murder the ori scene. The original, yeah. yeah. And like, he's like, oh, but there's this. And he just assumes something. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh no, we've got this thing. And she like, you can see she's a real good detective. Yeah. But she's like just being herself about it. Yeah. And she very like casually corrects him. Yeah. And points things out. And it's clear that like. There's an assumed power imbalance that then she totally subverts yeah. in the course of the scene. And yeah, um, it's not like her coming at it with a like a huge chip on her shoulder, which mm -hmm. would be justified. Yeah. I think if you're a woman in the police force in small town um Minnesota. Minnesota yeah. Yeah. But like um, North Dakota. Yeah, yes. that's it's called Fargo. So <laughs> I didn't know if it was set in Fargo if, or he like hires if she them was in Fargo. In I think she's in North Dakota um, because she drives into Minneapolis. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Um, and but like she, she's like um, very comfortable with herself, mm -hmm. um, which I really like seeing. Yeah, like, I think in the same way that like Big Lebowski is a movie that like takes this overcomplicated crime plot and puts someone who is not equipped at all in the central role, like with with the dude. Mm -hmm. Like this is. The reverse of that. It's yeah. putting someone who you expect to be overmatched by it, and she is, like, the only competent person in the yeah. movie. Um, the other people in the movie around her, uh, there's Jerry Lundergaard, um, again, played by William H. Macy. He is, like, everything that Margie is not. Um, he's really selfish and petty and desperate and dumb and in way over his head even before the movie starts. Um, he's just pathetic. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of plays on this idea of like a criminal mastermind because he's just struggling his way through the whole mm -hmm. movie. Um, there's the the cons, um, Carl Showalter, Steve Buscemi, again, like breaking into the mainstream um, in not just as a weird guy after having already had a career as a weird guy, but now he was a famous weird guy. Yeah. Um, he's really whiny and petulant and aggressive and just like, again, petty. Um, and he's matched up with Gare Grimsrud, played by Peter Stormare, who is a literal psychopath. Um, yeah. He's basically like the Viking version of Anton Sugar from No Country for Old Men. I feel like this is, I mean, No Country was a novel, so it's not like yeah. this is the early version. But like, I think for the, the Coens, like, this is like the earlier version of that film. Yeah, and absolutely. The, and that character. Yeah, and I, yeah, we have some of that in the themes where like, it's it's the same trope of this character who's just like a malevolent force. yeah 
that no one in the movie really knows what to do with yeah. because he's so outside of yeah, the frame of reference. Yeah, and, and there are other bad people. Like, it's not mm. like um, Carl is a good guy or Jerry's a good guy. Yeah. But it's like, no, this, Gare is just, he's a sociopath. Yeah. He doesn't care. Right, he doesn't give a crap. Like, there's, I mean, so Gene winds up dead at the end of the movie and it's just because, like, it's never really discussed, but it's because Carl leaves her alone with Gare and he comes back and she's dead. And it's just And like, it's not even presented as like he was torturing her or no. anything. It was just like... She was probably like crying or something. Yeah. yeah. And and he must have like hit her just like. Yeah. And it's yeah. They don't show it at all, which is exactly. great. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's just presented as this very matter of fact thing mm-hmm. that it's like he Gare does not care about life and death. Yeah. He's this kind of, you know, he's he's sort of an unstoppable force of malevolence, which is great because Margie is this sort of immovable object. Um, So that with the scene when they finally confront one another, it's there. It's dialogue free, basically. Mm-hmm. But it is. You immediately know the dynamic, yeah. and you're so worried for her um, because, yeah, you know what I she's think up against. So I would say um, Gare is chaotic evil, mm-hmm. and um, Marge is lawful good. Oh, so yeah. they're like the polar opposites. Absolutely. And then, but then, like Anton Chigurh is actually lawful evil because he, yeah, he has his he has a code. Has, yeah, he has a very strict code. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are a little different, yeah. but um, but yeah, I really like their kind of yeah. malevolent dynamics. Yeah. And I when we do, when we do no country at some point, I think it's worth talking about whether Sugar is actually lawful good or, or lawful evil or whether he just thinks he is. Um because he like uses his code in a lot of weird ways. Um, yeah, but, but he leaves but, that one guy. Yeah, but he also like yeah. I think I don't know. He's a, he's a great character. Anyway, uh, yeah. so is Gare Grimsley. That's for another time. Exactly. Um, there's Wade Gustafson. Um, he's a real Gene's father. He's super domineering. Uh, insists on controlling the situation uh, and makes things worse because of it. Uh, and then there's Gene, um, who's literally the victim in this movie in like every sense. Um, I think the Coen brothers walk a really delicate line with her and are really successful um, because the movie as a whole treats her and kind of needs to treat her as a plot device. Like she doesn't have a lot of personality other than like nice Midwestern mom. And she doesn't really have much dialogue. No, she has almost none. But the scenes that she is in attach really closely to her perspective, especially the kidnapping scene. It is completely, uh, it's a really harrowing scene because it is like, okay, what would it be if you were at home by yourself and two guys showed up and kidnapped you? And it sticks with her and you know, there's some like sort of slapstick stuff in it as she's running away from them, but it's also very honest about how scared she is, and it never forgets that mm. when she pops up throughout the rest yeah. of the movie. So it it has its cake and eats it too a little bit because she is still, you know, a very uh minor character who is a plot device and is yeah. dispatched very cruelly, but I think it manages to generate like you really you you're always aware that she's a person. Yeah. Instead of just like a prop. I don't know. I think Yeah. I think in at scenes post kidnapping, yeah, like when she's just kind of tied up in the house. That's true. It's usually just Carl and Gare. Yeah, but I think I think it's still it acknowledges that this is a terrifying situation. Yes. Um. So I I don't think she is a complete character. Um. Mm-hmm. But I I at least appreciate that it's it doesn't take the situation lightly. It's not yeah. like haha, we're kidnapping this lady. Right. It's oh, not she... cool. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, this is pretty awful. Like yeah. she's being treated terribly. But the movie doesn't have any interest in her perspective. Yeah. And I feel like in a movie that finds a lot of comedy in other people's pain, yeah. it rarely makes her pain the funny part. Right. The focus. Like, yeah, we couldn't we can look at Jerry and Carl and be like, you guys are just losers. Yeah. I hope you get hit by a brick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're never thinking that about Gene. Exactly. We really want her to make it out. Yeah. Um, there's Shep Proudfoot. Um, he's Jerry's friend at the dealership where he works, um, who sets things up uh, between uh, Jerry and Carl and Gare. Uh, and then there's Mike Yanagida, uh, a friend of Maggie's from high school, who she visits with while um, she's in Minneapolis investigating. And who, uh, it's sort of a random scene. Like, they get dinner together, and he really awkwardly hits on her and then starts crying and talking about how his wife died. Um, But then later in the movie, when she hears, uh, essentially, his wife is not dead, that he he was putting her on uh, and trying just to get in her pants, it launches the realization that Jerry is probably lying about his wife as well. Like, it's sort of, he, Mike kind of provides her the insight Mm. into 
how petty people can be yeah. that allows her to crack the case yeah. and sort of go back. Um, it's also just like, it's a lovely scene. It's a great acting workshop from Francis McDermott. Oh, 100%. And it's, and it's really funny and pathetically sad. Um, I, I feel like on both of their parts, you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is just like a great two-person scene mm-hmm. that has like very like little at stake considering the rest of the movie is about right. a kidnapping and murder. But like... Oh God, it's so awkward and sad, and you're yeah. just like, "This is awful." Absolutely. Um, there's uh, so themes and fun stuff about the movie. I think awkward and sad and funny is like this movie mm-hmm. in, a, in a blender. Um, there's actually there's a scene even, in a wood chipper. In a wood chipper. Oh my goodness, yes. Um, there's even a scene with Jerry where he is like trying to scrape ice off of his car when everything's falling apart, and he just freaks out. And it's like the only time in the movie that you actually feel a little bad for Jerry just because he's so not suited to any of this and he's so screwed. Um, But the movie's full of moments like that, that are sort of really grand and big uh, emotions in very tiny, non-assuming packages. Um, You know, some major themes of the film are like people are selfish and awful. Um, Mostly guys. Um, It's mostly the dudes in this movie who are terrible and, um, you know, they think that they have control of their situations or they think that they deserve things that they don't deserve. Um, but, you know, altogether, all it's that people are capable of being terrible anywhere, even in these seemingly quaint, wonderful yeah. little areas where everybody's nice to one another. Um, crime is dumb, which I think is a big Coen Brothers theme a lot of the time. Like, there's nothing glamorous about crime um, or about anything that these people do. Um, they're really, you know, baseline pathetic. Um and then uh, there's one that I didn't write about beforehand, but I was actually thinking about it as we were talking. Um, there's an almost kind of folkloric quality to the movie. Like there's something about, I don't know, they do a great job of contrasting like the grand, the, the vastness of this landscape mm-hmm. with this tiny story that also feels very big. Mm-hmm. And that I think worms its way into people's heads. Like there's uh, there's like a scene where Carl buries a bunch of money in a, fe- in a snow field mm-hmm. um, on his way back. And that scene actually mm-hmm. like a woman from Japan, like, came to Minnesota to look for it and wound up sadly freezing to death oh no Um, yeah oh my god and there's a movie about her about like a fictional movie but like she and she had some other things going on probably but like there's something about this that's the story that feels very like baseline and i think gets into people's heads yeah you know it feels like a story you've heard before yeah like a shaggy dog story um or apparently like um it feels like the characters are their tropes in a way. Yeah. Um. In that in that kind of like hero's journey sense. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, it also says that it's based on true events. Yeah. At the beginning, which is not true. I literally. But... Well, I just looked it up. Um. And it said it was, they say it's based on true events, but then it's a fictional movie. So they're like, mm-hmm. I think it was that kind of thing where they saw an article in a newspaper that was like. Some guy hired, some hired to, yeah, and then she died. And they right. so they didn't like look up the story and like make mm-hmm. it a thing, but it was kind of like, oh, that sparked my idea, right? In the same way that like, oh, brother, where art thou is an adaptation of the Odyssey, but they both said they never read the Odyssey, yeah, like it's the it's it's an adaptation of a received cultural wisdom or something, yeah. Um, so yeah, it feels very lived in and very um specific. Uh, and then I think the bigger, th- the biggest themes that we were talking about are this idea that the world will wear you down. Um, I think this movie in a lot of ways is like a prequel to No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. We're seeing Margie the first time that she is, has encountered something truly bafflingly evil, like something that was just there's no explanation for it other than people are awful. Yeah. Um, which I think is a lot of Tommy Lee Jones's arc in No Country for Old Men. But the difference is that in No Country, he's at the end of this career. He's seen enough of it that it's finally driven him out and kind of worn him down mm. so that he's shaken about humanity. Whereas uh, in Fargo, I think the alternate lesson is, but you can still be good in the face of the world. Yeah, and the world isn't all bad. Like yeah. I think it ending like on this really like lovely, gentle moment right. with Marge and her husband – like, it's not like, oh, and they're okay. Like, you can tell that she's still really rattled by what she's seen and worried mm-hmm. about the world, but there's a comfort in knowing that that's not all the world. Yeah, and she's also, she's going to have a kid. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of thinking about the future in this movie. Yeah. Um, especially and, for And also, like, in a, in a way that's like, oh my God, I'm bringing a child into this terrible world. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like, well, they chose the Mallard painting for the, the stamp. Exactly. Like, and it's not the first class stamp, yeah. but it's the three cent. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, it's not all bad. Yeah, so like there's still a lot of hope balancing in this movie. And I think um, in some ways, I think we were talking about this over dinner. I feel like Margie is almost more capable of handling this kind of a world than Tommy Lee Jones's character is in No Country. Um, so I think like there's even hope for Margie far in the future, even if she keeps seeing stuff like this. Yeah, I think um, this would be the kind of story that like she would tell like young recruits, but like mm-hmm. in a way that was like she didn't talk about it a lot. Yeah. But like every so often she would be in a place where she would be like, that was the first terrible thing I saw. Yeah. And maybe it's like it'd be like a thing where she ends up being like the head of the police force. Right. And like somebody else sees something real bad and they're like, oh my God, that just really rattled me. And she gets to share like that when I was young, I saw some dude shoving a lady through a wood chipper. Yeah. Or shoving a guy guy through a wood chipper. Yeah. Um, And like that it's like things are real messed up, but it's like that she would use it as a way to tell people that like this is not the end of your career. Like, and you can, you can, and push I, through the real bad stuff because there's real good stuff. Yeah, and there's probably like a blog post to be written about like Margie being a woman and also having a kid versus yeah. Tommy Lee Jones's character being a guy and not having kids that we see and, in the movie. Yeah, being and like, being an old person. Right. And like but I think and I think that like there's something gendered about like what the guys in this movie expect they should be able to handle yeah. or, you know, that they deserve versus like Margie, I think, is able to surprise people because people don't expect her. To, yeah. To and I guess she's very things. comfortable in her in her genuineness and her mm-hmm. gentleness in a lot of ways, yeah. which is very refreshing. Um, and I think like you were saying earlier, like Tommy Lee Jones in No Country, like his character is like, you know, Texas cowboy yeah. police officer. He's like playing a part. Yeah, and he's seen a lot, so mm-hmm. he should be able to handle things. Um, but I think it's for him; it's his age that really gets it. Where it's like mm-hmm. he's he's too old for this this he, stuff. Yeah. Oh, I've got a snakes there. I know too old for these snakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think there's like I'm sure there's it kind of it makes me want to watch the scene where they're investigating the murder in Fargo versus the scene where they're investigating the shootout in No Country. Yeah. Like because it's both it's two cops. Yeah. Talking through what happened, and it's like it's the Coen brothers quoting themselves, but very smartly yeah um so yeah um but this is not a podcast about no country for old men i know right uh but i think that fargo is really it's only more fun to think about in comparison with no country because they're two of my favorite movies um but let's move on to some other stuff and let's let's talk about thematic crossover with charlotte's web and fargo yes um i mean death it is all over the place it looms i mean death as this overpowering chaotic force Mm -hmm. um you know wilbur cannot escape it in so many ways and is trying to and just violence and death loom over fargo Mm -hmm. um you know whether you have gene who has no idea what's coming to her and there's or um Marge who's seeing this for the first time. Yeah. And there's like an assumption from everybody in both stories that this is just the way it works. Yeah. Like in Fargo, I think people are kind of rattled by the murders, but they also Marge's is the only I think is the only one who really grasps the full scope of it, whereas everybody else kind of takes it in stride. Um, yeah, or at least and, like they see themselves as like crime people. Yeah. Which is a weird way to say like they I think they know that this is not normal, but they they think they're playing like a movie part. Exactly. Yeah, they really do. So they're playing everybody's playing their roles. So both stories about people or characters breaking out of their assumed yeah, roles. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Like you're a pig spinning a, in a web that says things. Yeah. Or the pig you, is spinning the web. Or a spider. Spin, well, the people <laughs> I mean, that think, would be worth going yeah. to the fair about. Well, that's what the people think. Oh, that's right. Which is weird because they really must right? think he's There's a selfish no pig. Like, man, this pig really has a big head yeah some pig what are you trying to say pig why don't you tell us something else i'm delicious (laughs) no don't do that no No, wilbur no (laughs) i love that there's some moment i can't remember if this is in the book or the movie where uh templeton brings uh, back a clipping from the trash where he's like well he's like what about this one it says crunchy and charlotte's like no 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 no, not that one it's like a writer's room they're workshopping it exactly punch this up crunchy pig um <laughs> but also for both of them um i think in particular women really 
putting themselves Saving on the line them. Yeah, yeah and doing good things yeah. good um, job ladies yeah um mm-hmm. while also being actually both expectant mothers maternal yeah wow yeah. hope for the future hope for the future mm-hmm. uh, yeah these are basically the same story yeah i mean they're so alike charlotte's web is the prequel to fargo just as fargo is the prequel to no country yes. for old men i mean um so I mean we have Fern in Charlotte's Web. Mm-hmm. Is she young um Marge? Maybe. Oh man, so we're getting into the we're already yeah, getting into the crossover. Like maybe Heck Marge yeah. ends up going by her middle name. Oh yeah. Um as a grown up. Margie Fern. And she's she's married, so you know, Gunderson yeah. doesn't need to be her name. No, she could have been arable it's growing true. up. Mar Margie Fern Arable. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I can get on on that. That's a real down homie. You know, let's do this. Let's do this crossover. Let's talk about Fern as Margie. Yes. There we go. So I think obviously the farm animals are the farm animals. Yeah. Um, How is Uncle Zuckerman connected to all of this? So, well, I guess the the thing is then it would put put Charlotte's Web as much later. Like she would have been a young girl with Wilbur. So Wilbur would already be safe. Charlotte would have passed away. Mm. Um, we have done crazier, true. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I guess it should be all maybe. At the same I mean, time. maybe um, what if she's she's a Zuckerman? She was a Zuckerman. Or what if uh, Fern is Margie's daughter? Um. So, but I mean, I guess we could change their name. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with that. And um, I don't remember what the other guy or her husband did. Um, they could be a farmer. Yeah. Well, he's a painter. We know that much. Yeah, right. Um, but a hobbyist. Uh, yeah, I think I actually get the feeling that like Margie's the one who works in the family. Well, I thought I always thought he was like had a job or maybe he worked at the post office yeah, or maybe. like some normal town job. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's make him the farmer. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this so is their got, farm. Yeah. So we've got a uh, little fern. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Fern, arable, Gunderson. And, and you know what? If I can see Fern is like a little Marge. Like, absolutely. She's, she's, she's not going to. Yeah. She's going to run out there and be like, no, we will not kill this baby pig. He did yeah, nothing wrong. Exactly. That is not justice, Pop. Yeah, it's not. It's not. People are good. Yeah. And they don't kill. She's Fern is definitely a vegetarian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, that, it's like that that weird vegetarian on a farm of like everybody's well, like you've what seen happened too much. to you yeah that's true so is there another murder or is it the same murder this is where the timeline starts to get weird um well no i mean i think it's the same murder yeah cuz like well i guess it it's, it gets wibbly wobbly because margin margin her husband don't have a kid in fargo yeah maybe niece yeah, so that's what I was saying. I think maybe oh, okay. she, um, um, Marge is a Zuckerman. So yeah. maybe there's like Uncle um, Homer Zuckerman and uh-huh. Aunt Marge, who former Zuckerman, now um, Gunderson. Yeah. Um, but you know, so yeah, now, but now we've brought Charlotte's Web up into the 90s yeah. where everything needs to be a little grimmer and a little grittier. But they just, grew then. Ju- well, just saying that you're some pig isn't going to save anybody anymore. The world's jaded, it's seen it all. What you need is a pig and his spider partner who fights crime. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I'm thinking like like Marge is like sitting in in the dealership talking to William H. Macy and to Jerry. And then like she looks up in the corner and she sees a spider web and it says, he's lying. Yes. I love (laughs) it. Follow the money. (laughs) (laughs) And Wilbur just poking out of the bathroom. like Sniffing around. Like like nodding toward the the spider web. Or just like, I'm sorry, I need to keep my pig in your bathroom. He's my um my he's sensitivity the, pig. He's mine for the day. <laughs> um, he's, a, he's my emotional support pig. Exactly. Oh no, but maybe instead of um, you know how they have police dogs, maybe he's a police pig. It's true because they ha- they do they solve a lot of mushroom related crimes in yeah. Fargo <laughs> and truffle crimes. Yeah, but he, she works in the truffle crime division. Yeah. <laughs> Snuffing out trouble. Stuffing those truffles. That's their motto. It's like yeah. it's bl- emblazoned on the side. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. But, you know, this case didn't call for the truffle police, but the truffle police are the only ones available because the rest are snowed in somewhere. Yeah. And also, um, this is Marge's big chance to break out of the the truffle division. The truffle unit. Because they were like, oh, Marge, you're just a pregnant lady. Like, man, we want to put you on. Yeah, we're going to put you. It's a nice, gentle division. Mm -hmm. And she was like, screw that. I'm going to solve murders. Yeah. So she's the first one on the scene for the shooting, obviously, with her pig. Yeah. Um, And and maybe, like, Wilbur is real good at snuffing. He can sniff out all these clues yeah 
he sniffs out. We'll say he sniffs out the bullet casings. Yeah. Um, and you know that seems suspicious. I guess. <laughs> or something is suspicious. Something in somewhere is suspicious. Yeah, but he sniffs out real good clues. Yeah. Are you okay with Charlotte hanging out in the flap of Marge's fur hat? Yes, as okay. long as I imagine her as Debbie it's cartoon, Reynolds it's cartoon, and cartoon <laughs> Charlotte. Cartoon Charlotte. So really, this is like a Fargo, Charlotte's Web, who, who framed Roger Rabbit yes. kind of mashup because it's it's I'm, Frances McDermott with her cartoon friends yes. solving a grisly murder in yes. Minnesota. <laughs> I mean, Uber Roger Rabbit is exactly the middle of these two. It's true. It really is. This is where they this meet. This is like last time where his Mad Men was the middle. <laughs> we've, we've invented the middle ground. You know? But this is instead of in LA, it's out in Minnesota. Exactly. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah. So, so, yeah, this Marge's partner is not old. What's his name? No. Who doubted her in the beginning. It's her pig, Wilbur. Exactly. And Charlotte the Spider. And then and, I think. Oh. And so, you know, um, Fern can, like, understand the animal. Yeah. Maybe this is a family trait. Maybe oh. Marge can understand uh, Charlotte and Wilbur. Well, I was thinking like, okay, so Marge is going along, like she's working with Charlotte and Wilbur. But then I think like she starts to get some crap from the rest of the police. Yeah. Because she's like, you're just a truffle cop. What are you doing? <laughs> um, you don't belong here. Right. Truffler. Uh, and so she's like, okay. I appreciate your help, guys, but I need to leave you behind to to go solve this. Like, I need to prove myself. She gets out oh, there, no. but then Fern is like, "Hey, we're gonna go solve it too." She pulls get a penny. On a bike. She pulls a penny and Inspector Gadget. Yeah. Maybe not a bike because there's a lot of snow yeah, out there. Right. <laughs> she gets out her snowshoes. Yeah, your snowmobile. Snowmobile. There it is. And so I think that like maybe, okay, this is this is we need to decide where on the child trauma scale we want to land. Yeah. Because either she finds Jerry when he flees after being yeah. interviewed by Marge or she finds the cabin where Gare is shoving Carl Oh, well, into I don't want to take away that from Marge. Yeah, I love true. that moment with so Marge. I, I think Fern is tracking down Jerry. Yeah, yeah. and I think um, so uh, she's tracking down Jerry. I can see her like maybe Jerry's like he knows people are after him. Oh, yeah. And he's like running in the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe he's trying to get the money that was buried out in the. Fern in the has middle. her dad's gun, and she <laughs> says, "Not today." No, she has the axe. Oh no! Where's Fern going with that axe? <laughs> I, <feel? laughs> I like to see this like little kid with pigtails and a pig and a spider riding on a snowmobile, running down William H Macy, brandishing an axe. Yep. Yeah. Actually, there is a what's where? Where's where's Gare going with that axe moment with Carl? So, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's so she chases him down. Um, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, I feel like one of my favorite parts of Fargo is the scene where they finally arrest Jerry at uh-huh. the end. And it's so pathetic. Like they're pulling him out of a motel room and he's like in long johns and he's just like squealing. Yeah. And it's so pathetic. And I feel like at first I was worried about losing that, but it would be equally pathetic <laughs> to see him get run down by a girl and her pig on a, snow, yeah, on a snowmobile. Right? <laughs> yeah. And just like then, you know, the police cruisers show up and they can yeah. arrest him, but she has taken him down. And she's standing over him and she goes, truffle justice. <laughs> No, they didn't. didn't I that don't one know. Didn't land. Um, I don't know. I think we can <laughs> that workshop a, that. I that think was that's an instructive. Pause. I think that's a crunchy. Um, we can workshop it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Truffle uh-huh. justice. Um. Tr- F- fungus justice. <laughs> I don't know what this is. No, that's worse. I'm getting worse. <laughs> Maybe like, um, you just got truffled. Yeah, you got. You're going to. Prison Bella. You're in truffle trouble. <laughs> Prison Bella? Is that anything? More, yeah. Sure. Bella? <laughs> we'll workshop it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... Okay, so there are less developed moments of this story, but I think overall the, oh, the general skeleton... It's 100% del- delightful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think, um, you know, they solve the crime. They uh-huh. bring the perpetrators to justice. Absolutely. Um, I think that um, Zuckerman then takes Wilbur to the fair... As this is a famous police pig. Oh, yeah. Like, he maybe Wilbur gets, like, a little, um, a sash mm-hmm. and, like, you know, is honored for his work in the oh, police force. Yeah. And so, no, no Wilbur's never going to die. No, ever. And Except in the line of fire. It's true. Maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he gets gunned down yeah. in No Country oh, for Old Men. God. <laughs> um, they decide to go south of the border. You Truffle see- cops are going south of the border. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and and Margie's husband does a painting of Wilbur, and it winds up on the first class stamp. Yes, 100%. Because everyone would want that stamp. They would Mm -hmm. be like, oh my God, that's that famous police pig. It's the some pig stamp. I need to send a card with my famous police pig stamp. Mm Mm-hmm. There it is. Some pig stamp. I love this crossover. Me too. I'm really enjoying this. Yeah. (laughs) Just all the ways Charlotte can give clues. Exactly. And then Charlotte's babies get in on the action. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I feel good about this. Me too. Um, so kiss your faces isn't really a thing here, is it? Um, not really. I mean, we got Lurvy. He's a farmhand. Oh um, yeah. He's single. Maybe he saves Gene. Oh yeah, I like In that. In this version, Gene gets out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe like Lurvy. Um, he, you know, he, he knows Wilbur from the mm-hmm. farm. Um. And um, he, you know, is maybe friends with Marge. Yeah. Um, he gets in there somehow. Yeah, he gets he in there He and Templeton. Somehow. They have their own little side quest adventure. Oh, see. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Because I feel like Templeton could actually have started off with the cons. Oh, yeah. Because he's a real conny kind of kind of rat. He's a little literal rat. He lives at, their, at, the, at the house where they're hiding out. Yeah. So he sees it going down. He sees it going down. But then maybe he's like, you know what? I can um, I can get some food out of this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, that lady, maybe, she, maybe Jean is like trying to get Templeton to like, um, chew, the eat, ropes. chew the ropes yeah. and she's trying to give him little scraps of food oh, yeah. and so he's like no I like this girl she's got the food mm-hmm. um, so he maybe sends a message yep um, to, back to the farm that has he, the word he crunchy in it for some reason yeah right he's got some pigeons sure let's yeah, get some right? pigeons, pigeons in, there. in there sure ducks <laughs> geese whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah and then I think Lurvy gets goes to the cabin and gets Jean out yeah and then so I think that's happening while Margie is showing down with Gare yes yeah oh I like that yeah we we fixed it. Oh, thank God! Yeah, we got her so out of there. Can we save Gene? Yeah, because I think that's where these can meet in the middle tonally a little more. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Um, yeah, I think. Um, let's say some best buddies. Um, Margie uh, and all of the animals. Yeah, and Fern. And Fern. Um, they're yeah. they're all peas in a pod. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think um Charlotte and Marge. Yeah. They would have a lot to say to I each think other. So I think Templeton and Carl are friends, but Carl betrays him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and Templeton's like, that's what happens when you're in the when you, we're all rats here. Yeah. And Templeton is like, look, Gare is crazy. You need to get out of here. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um we've got uh everybody else in Farco is so terrible though. I know, right? I think Lurvy and Shep are probably like acquaintances. Maybe they're brothers. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And um, he's like, Oh man. Shep is a real, real yeah. creeper. And once he, now that he's out of prison, he's being bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, um, nobody likes Mike Yanagida because he's the worst. I know, right? Yeah. Sorry, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Mike sees how great um, the the pig situation worked out for Marge. Mm-hmm. And maybe he ends up being like, you know what? Um, I am going to devote my life to raising um pigs to to be police pigs truffle so pigs. yeah like yeah and he's like you know i'm gonna train them like they're or um kind of guide pigs and oh yeah and then you know once they're old enough to to do like the real police work he passes them off to the, the police force for like all those that. truffle crimes he finds some purpose in his life fixes things yeah. with his wife yeah exactly it was Stops like you know you have people yeah he was like you know dude you're having a real bad mid- midlife crisis you're making real bad choices but you don't look like you're happy about it yeah so i think you need to focus on the the baby pigs although i don't know he's such a sleaze i don't know I that know. i want mike to, you know, to have any redemption okay he's just pathetic he's like mike would be total gamer gator if yeah. you were like a teenager yeah or, uh, and, um, in his 20s right now um what's it for those dudes who are Incel? garbage yeah that's the ones yeah yeah he'd be up there yeah Ugh. Anyway. Oh, okay. Well, sorry, Mike. I sorry. tried. We, yeah. it's that, that part gets cut out in editing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was like, you don't need this Mike stuff. He's the worst. Um, yeah. I feel very solid about this. Me too. And I want to watch it immediately. I know, right? <laughs> I'm I wanna, literally imagining Frances McDormand with an animated pig and an animated spider. And I'm cool with that. Yeah. It's the part she was born to play. Exactly. <laughs> well, if people can't get that but do want some other adjacent things, Annie, where can they find more Charlotte's web material? Um, so for some more classic middle grade goodness, um, I forgot to write this on my list, but I'm just thinking of it now. Like E.B. White also wrote a bunch of other books. Oh, right. Him. They're great. Um, some, some guy. <laughs> some guy. Um, yeah, like Trumpet of the Swan, Stuart Little. Um, there are, you know, other ones that I can't remember off those the top are, of my head. Those are, two those good are the ones two to start, big though. ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
on uh, non-E.B. White books, uh, Tuck Everlasting by Natalie Babbitt, which is another children's book that has death like all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just beautifully written. Like I reread it a few years ago and just loved it. Um, the Giver by Lois Lowry, another one of my middle grade favorites, like just really hit me in the most perfect way when I was in seventh grade. Hit me uh, that way in college. when you Yeah, right. It, so oh, so good. St- it holds up. Um, Harriet the Spy, um, which actually Harriet the Spy and Fargo would be real oh, yeah. close. Harriet and Fern, we get along great. I, well, uh, oh, and Margie. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I feel like maybe Margie's kid turns out to be Harriet the Spy. I think that's pretty likely. Yeah. Like, although I think <laughs> Harriet's in like New York or something, well, but you know. yeah, like she's just a kid who's again like wants to be a detective, a little pretentious. But um, but yeah, she's kind of an not outsider, pre- precocious, not precocious. precocious. <laughs> frankly yeah, you're putting on airs Harriet. yeah but she's yeah she's a, a little outsider but she does a great job mm-hmm. uh speaking of outsiders matilda by roald dahl um about a magical girl in a terrible family um who ends up finding her own family um bridge to terabithia um which makes everybody cry absolutely um mrs frisbee and the rats of nim um which is another great classic animal talking story oh, yeah um, the animated film I loved. So Apparently, it's so disturbing. Very disturbing to other people. Just don't watch all the scary scenes out of context in a motel room when you're five, and yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Where the Red Fern Grows. Um, I think Ugh. so. That was a book that I read in fifth grade and did not cry because oh, I didn't you have a dog. It now, I, so I was literally looking because I was like, oh, I forgot. What about that? I was looking at books and I'm like, oh, I forgot what happens in that. I knew that the dogs died, but I was like, I don't remember anything about oh, what man. happens to lead up to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like reading the description, looking over at Bodo, sitting, snoozing in his chair. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you are now primed for that. Oh, book. my God. I will cry so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Watership Down, which is, again, another great animal mm-hmm. adventure book, um, which we have previously talked about. Um, can I throw one on the list? Yes. Uh, there's one called A Day No Pigs Would Die. Oh, yeah. I never read that. Yeah. No talking animals, but definite, still the, the same themes of pig death impending yeah. uh, and a little little more realistic take on how that plays out. But it's like, it's a, um, the protagonist is a, a kid in an Amish family. And so it's oh. also a lot about Amish culture. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's really, really good. I remember in middle school having that as a summer reading book and not being excited about it at all and then like weeping by the end of it. Oh, well, there we go. I got to read it. Um, So for more recent middle grade books with feels, um, one for the Murphys by Linda Mullaly Hunt. Um, This is about a girl who is taken from her very neglectful, not so great mom um, and put into a foster home of much better people. Mm -hmm. Um, So it looks at like children in the foster system. And it's oh so sad, but also so great. Um, See What Harry's by Joel Knowles, Joe Knowles, excuse me. Um, And this one, it's like totally normal family life and then trauma. Like, oh, no. I think about it sometimes and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, it's one of those things like the the article about um, kids left in car car seats in the summer. Oh, yeah. Like, this is that book for me, but like backing up in a parking lot. Oh, no. It's like, oh, yeah, I will never think of that the same way. Um, But just really touching. Um, the one and only Ivan, um, uh, which actually I have not read yet, but it's, it's like on my list and I need to read it immediately because it's another animal friendship story and there's a gorilla and a tiny elephant. Oh, it's the best kind of elephant. Um, so yeah, that one looks real good and, and I should read it now, Mm -hmm. um, and cry and cry. Um, there's George, uh, by Alex Gino, which is actually a book about a young transgender girl who, Wants to play Charlotte in her school's production of Charlotte's Web, Aww. but she she doesn't get cast because she doesn't like present as as a female at oh, that no. point. And like, it's so George. I know it's so touching and sad Aww. and sweet and ended up being really lovely. Yeah. Um. But that one is like I was like oh Charlotte's Web. Yeah, absolutely. Um. There's when you reach me by Rebecca Stead. Um, which is I feel like a if if George is a uh, a book that looks back at Charlotte's Web, um, when you reach me, looks back at a wrinkle in time. Oh, um, interesting. And deals with like family and friends and living in a neighborhood, and it has that real sadness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because of Win Dixie by Kate DiCamillo, um, a great dog book. I am almost positive that the dog does not die, if I'm remembering correctly. Fingers crossed. I know, right? About like a. It dog. would be like a fir- the first. 
It'd be the first dog. Yeah, right. I am almost positive. Yeah. Um, but it's about this dog that like brings everyone together. Maybe I'm just misremembering because I don't want the dog (laughs) to die. Um, Counting Time by Melanie Conklin about a family um, from the told from the perspective of a middle child whose brother, a younger brother, has cancer, mm-hmm. um, and like. A- a lot of cancer books are very melodramatic and unrealistic in ways like this one is much more realistic about like yeah. just like what a family goes through. Um, and uh, Golden Boy by Tara Sullivan. Um, shout out to one of my writing group friends. Yay. Um, but this is a fantastic book about a young boy who it, um, has albinism in Tanzania, where that is a very dangerous place to have albinism. Um, mm-hmm. And he ends up kind of learning um to to value himself and and you know all of his kind of gifts and appearance and um he is some kid he is some kid oh Havo. <laughs> i love you you little muffin yeah um so yeah so i had a lot of that recommendations is a, that there. is a deep oh, deep and also list. oh man uh, and babe the movie oh, oh I, yeah, uh, yeah okay. i wanted to add that so yeah. yeah watch babe too um hey babe uh, yeah. Let's talk about Fargo. Um, stuff like Fargo. So different Cohen variants on the same flavor. Uh, really, any Cohen Brothers movie that you watch is going to share some DNA with Fargo. But the ones that I think most click with, like, if you watched Fargo, you will almost definitely love blank. Um, no Country for Old Men. Obviously, we've talked about it a lot. Um, the Big Lebowski is totally, basically, a, ver- a vastly different tonal movie with the sig- a similar kind of structure um, and less violence and way funnier. And then Blood Simple is their first movie. Um, it's really a pretty straight up like noir crime story. Uh, Francis McDermott is in it and is again brilliant as a different kind of character. Uh, um, and it's just great. It's like a really, really good, solid crime story. Um, and it, it makes it very clear like why they became a thing. Um, you can see it. It's sort of before they started putting twists on things and mm-hmm. they just straight up told an awesome story. Um, Which is cool. Yeah. For more heists gone wrong, uh, there's the movie A Simple Plan directed by Sam Raimi being way calmer than Sam Raimi typically is when he directs movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got Billy Bob Thornton in it and it's just like a good like three friends find a plane crash with a bunch of money in it and decide to keep it secret. Um, there's Red Harvest by Dashiell Hammett. Not quite a heist gone wrong, but a very good, like, uh, classic detective story um, of uh, a detective who's kind of playing both sides against the middle. Um, it's the loose basis of Yojimbo and A Fistful of Dollars. So it's that idea of, like, a character comes into a situation where two families or criminal groups are at war and then starts playing them off against each other um it's really cool really satisfying and fun um if you want to go more local boston flavor there's the friends of eddie coyle by george v higgins i actually think that this one shares the most with fargo and a lot of modern crime stories in general it's a very like ground level look at organized crime and like guys who are kind of in the machine of it um and the language of it is brilliant and propulsive and it manages to be um very fun and bleak all at the same time uh and then there's the usual suspects the brian singer movie uh you know don't watch it if kevin spacey makes you uncomfortable which he should yeah um it's a it's a good movie. It's like really, really, it's a really solidly crafted Shaggy Dog story with a twist that you probably know already. Yeah, right. Um, but it's still pretty fun to watch. I remember when I watched it for the, so when it first came out, uh, I was, we were like five or six. And, oh, yeah. And my friend Ned saw it and I and told me the whole twist. And then I forgot about it for 20 years. And then I was living in Chicago and decided to watch The Usual Suspects because I'd always meant to. And halfway through the movie, like a bolt out of the blue, I remembered Ned telling me the twist. And I was oh, like, no. oh, no. Thanks, Ned. I know. Really. Um, but yeah, it's also like it's a well-crafted movie. Um, uh, for more crime coming to a small town, especially if you like Truman Capote, uh, there's In Cold Blood, which is another uh, it's a true crime novel, sort of the first true crime novel, uh, but looking at this horrible murder that was committed in an in a city or an area that thought that kind of stuff didn't happen. Um, and then I also really enjoyed Capote, uh, which is the movie of 
uh, with Philip Seymour Hoffman as Capote writing in Cold Blood and sort of looks at it from that perspective. Um, and then if you want to build your own Coen Brothers story, uh, there is a really awesome game called Fiasco, um, oh. which you can get. It comes in a book, but you play it with a bunch of dice and it's essentially like you use the rules to walk you through a, a caper where everybody's playing a character who in Coen Brothers way has a weird quirk. Um, and then you like pick a sweat, a setting like a swamp shack or, uh, you know, dusty town somewhere. And it's all partially randomly generated and partially like table talk RPG, but it invariably leads to a windy twisty plot where everything goes wrong at the end. Um, and so, yeah, it's a very, it's a very cool game. Um, I have not actually gotten to play it, but I have a great respect for the rule set and really have enjoyed reading. Even the book is fun to read. Um, oh, and Reservoir Dogs is also a good movie to watch for Aww. dudes in there over their heads with crime. Mm -hmm. Can I add one? Yeah. Um, that is, again, kind of a crossover. Yeah. Uh, Zootopia. Oh, yeah. It's about um, talking animals. Talking but also... animals. Um, on, uh, lady cop trying to prove herself on the yeah. force. And confronting more than she bargained Yeah, with. confronting some real dark stuff mm -hmm. in the world. Absolutely. Um, but coming out stronger for it and, yeah. and still hopeful. And I would throw, a, if we're talking about a crossover recommendation, I mean, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, yeah, totally. Go watch it right now. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, Annie, uh, if people want to find links to the roughly 8,000 recommendations that we have yeah, made right. in this episode, uh, where can they go? They can find all these recommendations and all of our content at crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com. Mm -hmm. You can email us uh, what you think um, Truffle Justice should have been instead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, help us punch that up at crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can post on Facebook with um, messages you think Charlotte would have written to Marge um, during the case. Preferably photoshopped into the yeah, scene. Yeah, exactly. But like, um, yeah, only uh, animated spiders, please. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, where can they post that? They can put that on Facebook on Cross Crossover Appeal Podcast. Yeah. Um, you can tweet us uh, your favorite um, cartoon animals. Gifts yeah. of cartoon animals. Gifts of cartoon animals. <laughs> running, running down William H. Yeah, Macy. Solving grisly murders. <laughs> yeah. Um, at Crossover Appeal. Um, and most importantly, you can subscribe on iTunes and rate and review things because that makes us real happy. Mm -hmm. um, but in the meantime, we're going to go out and dispense some cartoon animal justice. Um, wow. So, yeah, that's true. We got big plans for oh tonight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm going to get ready for bed. Well, I guess that's fine, too. Um, but uh, you, we will be back in two weeks with another episode. And until then, this has been Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. I'm Annie Cardi. And we are reminding you to, as always, please ship responsibly. Mm -hmm.